download from the outdoorstation.co.uk. Number 453. Hello and welcome back to the Outdoor Station and part three of the Cape Wrath Trail series, which was originally recorded in 2008. There's not a lot of preamble to say about this. Again, if you've listened to part one and part two, you'll have heard the reasons for the delays in these podcasts coming out uh, was down to this five-week flu bug. And as you can probably hear, I'm still struggling to, to hold sentences together. But hopefully within the next week, I should be back on form. I can't think there's anything specific to add to this one, so I will let it flow and you can join us as we continue our way towards Cape Wrath. You're listening to theoutdoorstation.co.uk. Welcome to part three of the Cape Wrath Trail, where Lee and I travel on foot from Ullapool to Cape Wrath, the most northwesterly point in Scotland. Join us as we make our way gently along the route suggested in the Cicerone Guide, north to the Cape, over a period of seven days in early May 2008. Hi, I'm Catherine Ferguson. And I'm Colin. And where are you guys from? Inverness. Yeah. And so have you come out for the bank holiday weekend for a break? Yes, we have. We've from work for a while. <laughs> so, uh, you know, tell me a bit about this area because we're passing through and it's it's absolutely glorious to us. But what does it mean to you? Yeah, well, um, a few years ago, Colin's um, mum and dad went and built a house up here. So it's a kind of home from home for us now. Yeah. Um, we spend, well, at least we try and spend time up here, possibly not enough time and just sort of do a bit of hill walking and some time to ourselves, really, away from the hassle and bustle of what is Inverness. <laughs> yes, yes, real life. And uh, do you meet many people when you're, you're out here? Because we're obviously doing the trail for the first time, but Colin, you're dashing around all over the place. Yeah, oh no, we meet loads and loads of people um, doing various different things. You get Monroe buggers, you you know, the Corbett's, and you get people like yourselves walking through, maybe Land's End, John O'Groats, or uh, the trail that... Cape Wrath Trail that you yeah. guys are doing. Yeah, and we were saying about the, the sense of community. There does seem to be a great sense of community with um, the people we've met at the different hostels, and, and certainly a few folk we've spoken to. Um, is that something special to this area? Do you think? Um, I don't know. I think it is um, in like your smaller communities, which is more predominantly sort of in the north of Scotland, that we do definitely notice the whole sense of community and I think we notice it maybe more so than the people that are walking through because we maybe spend a wee bit of time up here sort of for the weekends and weeks and stuff and you sort of get into the community a bit more and you get invited to the dances they're very into sort of helping and supporting themselves yeah it's the remoteness of the area they need to help each other to get along and survive and earn a living so yeah, I was going to ask you about that because uh, obviously it's it's made now and uh, it's beginning of the, the walking season, I suppose the tourist season as such. But what's it like uh, living up here and work, trying to earn a living? Um, you know, you, you, you're visiting the area now, obviously, on a more regular basis. Uh, how do you find people get by? It's a very hard place to earn a living. Um, you don't see many crofters driving fancy cars. In fact, normally you see them driving a an old beat-up car with two sheep in the back. So, (laughs) you know, crofters don't drive four-by-fours. 
it's a really hard place to earn a living. It's it must be one of the hardest places in Britain to really scratch a living at. But yeah, everybody pitches in and they do their bit and and they get by. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Most of them have more than one job as well. They'll maybe do a bit of crofting in the summer and possibly fishing sort of in the winter and when it gets really bad the weather they'll maybe do sort of handyman jobs and they do grass cutting for the elderly. They they've sort of it's not just the one job that they do, it's it's lots and lots, you know. You were telling me earlier on that they, the the the, they, um, the local people bought a lot of land from from the landowner several years back. Yeah, that was the Ascent Trust. What happened was it was owned by one owner, and um, I think they had plans for it that the local people didn't maybe perhaps agree with. So what they did was they sent up this fa- fund or trust to raise money so that they could buy Ascent off off the owners so Ascent now belongs to the people that live there rather than actually one one landowner mm. and, and has there been any sort of notable change in the in the area or any of the activities or, or anything as a result of that I, I'm not actually terribly sure to be honest I think people put I mean it's hard to say because we're not hit up here all the time but I think now that people own the actual area where they stay I think things are you know they take a lot more pride in the area they're a lot more open. They understand how important tourism is. You know, everybody's everybody's really networked and tight knit now. Whereas before, there was one big landowner and he was a big bad guy. But now it's it's the whole community's area, and not one person owns it. So they share the responsibilities as a community. And it's I mean it's a big it's a big area they cover as well, isn't it? I'm not sure of the entire area, but Catherine maybe tell you no, better. No, I'm not sure. I think it starts at Loch Inver. Um, from Inchnadamp to Loch Inver and it comes up just past Kyle Skew and then I'm not sure how far west it goes but it is a big big area that's mm-hmm. covered and I think about two thirds of it is covered with water well, at least they've got the fishing rights, I guess. But then, I mean, there's, it's a very, very welcoming community, and certainly, I think that's the, the common thread that I mean, we've always found that with with walking through Scotland, anyway, particularly in the Highland areas. But certainly, uh, Lee and I are finding that um, everywhere we go, there's a there's a genuine warmness with people, and a genuine welcome. Yeah, definitely, we've noticed um, that if you go into say a local shop or whatever they they do know that you're you're not a local and they're they're very friendly towards you they're very open and but not just the people i think it rubs off and the people that are visiting as well because when you do meet people that are out with the area they seem to sort of are a lot more open to speaking to you and things like that i mean i don't know about yourselves but if you meet anybody sort of from out with the area in their own area, they would maybe say hello and keep walking, whereas with you being out in the open, if you do meet them and in here, they, you generally tend to have a bit of a, a laugh and get a bit of a crack with them. <laughs> well, like we have with you guys, right? Yes, definitely, yeah. Yep. So uh, Saturday evening looms, uh, it's 7.30 and we've uh, finally set up camp in a, a very unusual place um, uh, on the village of Carlescue. Uh, now, 
if you look on the map, it is uh, would appear that there's you know a village and quite a few buildings here, and and I was expecting a shop and a post office and various other things. Uh, well, it used to be the the ferry uh, section to cross the um, the estuary, uh, but now there's a very dramatic bridge. Uh, which does that on the A road, and uh, the ferry terminal, as it were, is uh, no longer in existence. Um, and it it is actually underneath that very dramatic bridge that we've been advised to camp. Um, uh, Catherine and Colin very kindly gave us a lift down the uh, the boring four or five miles of road that we would have had to have walked as we came off the hillside there, uh, and uh, dropped us off in the village. And they were equally surprised as we were that it consisted of well a, a hotel pub restaurant and nothing else by all parents uh, images but uh, it would appear that the post office is there um, it is in fact a, a wooden shack next to somebody's house and i believe there is a little shop there and there's also a ferry uh, not a ferry uh, a boat ride place there um, and uh, whilst having a, a drink there the barman suggested that uh, this was the ideal place to camp um, for for this evening, so we're set up with a with a marvellous view, but with a with an A road running over the top of us. It's bizarre, isn't it, Lee? Yes, nice with the green grass and a, some lovely views out to the sea and the lock, and some big concrete pillars with um, the sand <laughs> cars going at, <laughs> across the top of it. But in actual fact, it's a lovely spot. Yeah, it is. It is lovely, really. Yeah, just use your imagination. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, I'll take some photographs of this because it's it's bizarre uh, as much as it is uh, it's brilliant. But it's been a, a very enjoyable day. Um, the weather's been um, really been kind to us uh, today as as much as yesterday, um, and I certainly feel I've caught the sun a bit um, with the wind, and I think you have as well. Yeah, I think I've. Yeah, I'm very suntan now, and you know, I look like I've been to the Bahamas, really, not <laughs> Scotland. <laughs> Well, um, this evening, of course, means that uh, the camping uh, location uh, and also the, the immediate facilities around me means I can fire up the bush buddy tonight for the first time. I've carried it all this way. I'm determined to use it, so I shall be cooking this evening's uh, pasta meal on the on the bush buddy and inviting uh, uh, inviting Lee over for a bit later on if he likes to bring yeah, a bottle with him. Very kind of you. Yeah, I'll bring a bottle, yes, of uh, water, I'm afraid, but... <laughs> And we'll have a chin wag a bit later on, but I'm uh, I'm interested in getting that going now and uh, and seeing what we're having for supper. I think I'm going to have a pasta, saucy dish, something or other. So um, I have no idea what the weather forecast is, and, and quite honestly, I really don't care. We've we've battled on through uh, good and bad. Um, uh, it is a very very rewarding walk, and and Lee and I are both uh, saying early on, it's not really a walk for a novice. Um, not really uh, demeaning anybody's uh, skills or knowledge, but it really you do need to be confident about looking after yourself because uh, these are much more remote parts than uh, than perhaps uh, obviously the central highlands. Yes, definitely so. Yeah, um, you're going to seem to be a lot of um, climbing up and climbing down and then back up again. And I think your level of fitness needs to be just you know um, a little bit better than. The average, average, yeah, yeah the average, yeah. definitely. And also, I think um, route finding, your, your map reading, and your uh, those sort of skills need to be good. Obviously, these days we do tend to rely on GT- GPSs, uh, but um, map reading skills are, are always vital. Yeah, I think so. And um, I must admit, Bobby, you're pretty, you know, top class at that. Um, <laughs> but I've got this route was plugged into my GPS just in case. Well, we, uh, we've uh, we've been lucky. We've been lucky. We've veered off the path a few times, but it's been a very interesting trip, and we've we found it again uh, at the end, which was which was good. Anyway, I'm going to leave Lee to uh, rustle up his uh, pack and go meal tonight, which is what to, what have we got tonight? Um, I think I've got vegetable bolognese. Oh, oh, delightful! 
Okay then. Well, we'll um, we'll swap recipes a bit later on mm. and um, have a sample and see what you think. Mm. Yes, and, and um, what's that? Mixed fruit custard. Okay. Well, I'll see you around at my place a bit later. Yeah, see you later. I'll bring a bottle. <laughs> Right, well, tonight's delightful meal. Uh, I think we're going to be starting with, uh, what are we having, Japanese noodles, and then going on to uh, pasta as the main course, with a bit of uh, jerky chucked in as well to uh, give it the meat flavour. Uh, I've uh, remembered all my instructions from Andrew at um, Nomad Bushcraft uh, about getting uh, the tinder ready for my uh, bush buddy. So I've, uh, in fact, where we camped is right next to birch trees. So the birch trees themselves were, were peeling. So I've buffed up the peel uh, to allow for the tinder. I've got a little bit of um, sheep wool there. You can hear the sheep in the background. Thank you very much indeed. On, as if on cue, uh, which also makes good tinder. Okay, that's enough. Thank you very much. And uh, I'm now about to fire up the old bush buddy. So uh, let's see if after all this training, it works. Lots of sparks. I smell smoke. It's definitely... It feels like it wants to. Yes! And there we go. Look at that. A real fire. Oh, all the comforts at home. Well, that tinder's really going well. So once that gets going, I shall take a photograph of this for posterity. If there's extra noise and rattles, it's because I've got the microphone just tucked into my chest pouch at the moment and sure enough the uh, sheep wool is catching which is not the best most pleasant smell in the world but I've got a bag full of uh, small tinder here which are small little twigs about um, oh, I don't know it's no thicker than a pencil um, as my uh, my main tinder and uh, I'll be just dropping those in there to Encourage it once it gets going. Uh, and uh, I've also uh, got some thicker pe- um Well, you don't actually need anything thicker than a pencil, but what I've done, because I hope to uh, be having a chat with Lee a bit later on and obviously socialising, as it were, uh, I've also brought with me a uh, Oppenel mini saw, super lightweight uh, saw. Um, and so actually I've um, uh, sawn up a, a couple of uh, branches uh, of uh, dead wood uh, which are about, uh, well, I don't know, less than an inch thick, probably about um, half an inch thick or so. And I've got a pile of those to one side, which will be um, uh, just a bit of, uh, a bit of uh, warmth and uh, entertainment this evening, shall we say. But um, the bush buddy is fired and going well. And uh, in fact, what I'm not doing is getting on with the cooking, so I need to get the uh, water sorted. Obviously, where we're located is there's no fresh water, so we had to uh, load up at the, at the hotel there. Um, and so just get enough to get those noodles going and uh, that looks about right so I'll let you know exactly how it goes a bit later on but at the moment I'm smoking beautifully flames firing away time for a picture I think well the uh noodles have uh, turned out really well um, I throw in some dried tuna as well and um, make a nice start of the meal actually so I'm just chomping on those the bush buddy is glowing beautifully and I'm just uh, throwing another couple of uh, logs on the fire some twigs on the fire 
and um, I'm going to enjoy this now and come back to you in a while um, when I cook the dried pasta. But this uh, this part of the meal has been a, a packet of uh, Japanese yakasoba noodles, soba soba noodles, and uh, some uh, um, dried tuna, which reconstituted very quickly, uh, and that's been lovely. So um, I'll move on to the pasta next, and the view is spectacular. <laughs> The re- evening went uh, went very well. Uh, the cooking was a great success. Uh, Bush Buddy uh, worked very very well indeed, and um, just reminded me what a pleasure it is to have something like that, uh, rather than the the gas or meth stoves. It was sort of uh, quite nice to have something to play with, as if you like, to keep just feeding the fire. Uh, and the uh, meal was a great success. And then uh, after we both finished, Lee came and uh, sat in the uh, Shangri La three with me, uh, and we just fed the fire and chewed the ch- fat for half an hour. But one thing we did realise um, once we studied the maps is just uh, what a what a size day we've got today. Um, it's a big one actually. Um, not that we intend to get as far as uh, Kinloch Burvey. Uh, we certainly need to get from here um, over the next range uh, down to Loch Stack. Um, there's a couple of paths that we're going to try and take and then run parallel to the um, the A three eight three up. Uh, what's that called? Uh, Loch Garb Moor uh, to get to Ricoche, 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 and then uh, from Ricoche to Kinloch Burvey is another five or or ten k. We're certainly not going to get all the way to Kinloch Burvey, uh, and certainly we're trying to get as close as we can to that previous um, previous. Well, I say village. It looks like it's just got a hotel on the on the main road there. Um, but it's a biggie. It's a biggie. I reckon we must be do, needing to do about 30 to 35k today. The reason for that is that we need, to, or we both want to, get to um, Sandwood Bay for Monday night. Uh, then get up to Cape Wrath and back down on the Tuesday. So we've got Tuesday night there as well. And then time to kick, pick the bus up at uh, Kingmont Burvey on Wednesday. Uh, so that's our time scale. Uh, and uh, Lee has um, basically taken the Cape Wrath book and doubled the days. Uh, they were they were uh, an enjoyable walk, but um, he felt two short days. More, we could do it more like in challenge days uh, and try and get it all done in a week rather than two weeks. So if you are considering this and you want to take a lot of time and, and get a lot of pleasure out of it uh, and not overstretch yourself, then do consider um, doing as the book suggests and, and doing it on a daily basis rather than uh, try to cram too much in. Having said that, we've uh, hit the main flesh spots. Um, this morning we've woken to um, to a lovely sunrise. Um, there's a bit of a cool breeze, but it's not too cool. Uh, the sky looks um, relatively welcoming, not too many uh, dark clouds in the sky. Uh, we are t- underneath this huge monstrosity of a uh, bridge which is uh, towering over us, which is an incredible feat of concrete and engineering. Um, and a magnificent view. And if it wasn't for the bridge, this would be an absolute perfect uh, camping spot. Anyway, so it's time to pack the tents up. What time is it now? Um, he says, uh, press the button on the watch. It is um, 20 past seven. Uh, we'll try and get going early today. We've been starting off each day about uh, 9.30, but today's special, so there's extra couple of hours will make all the difference. So I'll catch up with you a bit later on, and we'll uh, see how we get on today. And, um, yes, wish us luck.
Well, it's uh, about two and a half hours now, uh, or probably a bit more than that, into uh, into the day. It's almost 12 o'clock, and we've got to the top of the uh, ridge, uh, coming up from Karlskew. Uh, we've followed the track along the side of the uh, sea loch, uh, and then the climb, which in places was a bit like the Corrieric, actually. There was quite some steep climbs in there. The road uh, was good underfoot, uh, but it took uh, considerably longer than... Both of us anticipated. We thought we'd be an hour and a half before we get here, not not two and a half hours. Um, tough going in places, Lee? Yeah, very tough, Bob. A lot of height gain. But, um, weather's on our side. A bit windy, a bit cool, but um, that's stopping us overheating, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, uh, it's not cold. It's just a coolish breeze. Um, definitely um, uh, the Paramo's too warm, so we're both wearing our, um, our Montane light speeds and just a base layer. And just venting, uh, and it's that type of uh, that type of day. I mean, the weather's not doing anything particularly exciting. It's just overcast and um, a general breeze, which is on our side. But we've I've had a bit of a disaster, well, potential disaster. Um, we were talking as we have over the last few days about um, people saying that uh, sometimes their innovates don't last very long, um, and uh, I couldn't quite understand it because I've had mine for some time now. And Lee's obviously very pleased with his Terox. I've got my um, Rocklight three one fives. And um, we got to the top of the climb and uh, I put my foot on a rock and my foot rolled to one side and sadly next to it was a very sharp rock uh, which cut the side of my shoe, uh, I think it's the rand, through the rand almost through to my little toe. So I've got a sort of a, an inch long cut on the side of my foot at the moment uh, and I'm looking at that thinking is that going to last the rest of the day so get us to where we need to be and also what have I got in my rucksack to repair it. Um, so far it doesn't uh, appear to have uh, extended very far um, the last mile or so uh, so I'm fingers crossed that uh, if we can get to where we're going tonight and I can dry the, the shoe off I'll probably try and use some of the um, uh, repair glue that came with the uh, the Thermarest to see if that will just patch it up and hold it together and a bit of gaff tape I know the gaff tape will come off when it's wet but uh, just something to hold it together for the rest of the trip because it would be heartbreaking to um, have my shoes fall apart on the last day or so uh, so we've got a dilemma now. We either drop down um, 400 metres into the valley and then um, climb another 200 metres through the woods or we climb another 105 metres to uh, the peak that's over to uh, the north of where we are at the moment. We're just sort of hunkered down by, um, by a stone wall and, uh, and then uh, make our own way down to join the same path um, as it drops down to the, uh, to the lock, the main road in the loch before we cross over and start again. Um, which is down at uh, where are you? Lock, Lock Stack Lodge. So that's where we're heading. Um, I have a feeling we're going to go up and just risk going down, just take it steady, um, because it cuts off uh, a good uh, five or six k at least, um, uh, which is the path we would have taken round Ben Stack. And then we've got a um, fairly low-level walk past several lochens before um, turning uh, northwest. Um, and uh, heading as far as we can towards uh, the main road again. Um, probably finding a, um, a uh, wild camping spot tonight, all being well. Yeah, hopefully, Bob. Um, just before, uh, I think it's Rinnock Hotel. So, um, like I say, find a nice camping spot there, a bit of nice green grass by a lot would go down a treat, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, I doubt if we'll make Rannoch Hotel if, uh, even if we pushed it, would we? No, I don't think so. I don't. And we've had enough beer on this trip, so we can, <laughs> we can manage one night, Bob. Well, speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we can manage. Um, 
but uh, yes, yeah, as you might appreciate, that shoe business is just something that just uh, makes you think. And um, I haven't got any spare footwear with me, so I'm just going to have to uh, get on with it and see how we get on. So I'm sure we'll report back if it all falls apart and there's we have a disaster. I'll have to wear start wearing your size 12 Crocs or whatever it is. Yeah. So yeah, that wouldn't have happened with um, heavyweight leather boots, Bob. No, indeed, yeah. indeed, it wouldn't have. I probably wouldn't have climbed that hill so fast either. No, no. <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll uh, we'll pick up a bit later on, but we need to crack on, and uh, we've got a lot of col- uh, miles to cover at the moment. So um, let's uh, battle through it. Uh, the view isn't a spectacular. It is a spectacular view, but you can't see it. It's too misty, sadly. Um, but uh, still, very, very impressive, very enjoyable. And apart from the minor incident, um, feeling in uh, in fine form. So we'll we'll catch up with you later. It's now uh, Monday morning, and we had uh, we had quite a day yesterday. Uh, after the last piece, where I was discussing the uh, my shoe splitting, um, which thankfully didn't get worse during the day, we had uh, we took the sh- the shorter route, which is the shorter climb over the top and straight down the other side. But it really was uh, not one for the navigationally challenged, because you had to pick your uh, descent very very carefully as you made your way down through the quite serious rock faces and places and also uh, quite boggy. It was very, very intense work, wasn't it, Lee? Yes, very intense, um, quite hard work, but um, quite rewarding, I think. I think the one thing that struck us both was just the isolation of it all. I mean, we were both very, very aware that if we made the slightest mistake and had a, anything worse than a sprain, one of us would have to sort it out, and it was... It was um, definitely the case that we never saw anybody or any signs of anybody for most of the day. No, we didn't see anybody at all, did we, from the start to the finish? No. Yeah, no walkers, um, stalkers, or nobody. Surprising, really, yeah. considering yeah. the beautiful scenery. So it's uh, you know holding true to its uh, its fame, of course. The actual trip as being fairly rugged uh, country and also um, very uh, very remote. Um, we caught uh, up with the Stalker's Path through uh, Strath Stack, which is the path that we joined, which originally would have gone through a, um, a wood, a uh, small forest area, and then uh, made our way down to Lockstack Lodge on the A3, A38, sorry, A838. Uh, and we initially intended to, intended to head northeast from there and then uh, cut northwest through a long uh, valley past a couple of lochs to Reconic. Um However the weather had turned against us and I think it was probably about 3.34 o'clock when we got down to the road and to be fair um, it was pretty tough going and we both decided that uh, discretion was the better part of valour because of the time scales that we're actually on having to get to Sandwood Bay by tonight uh, we really had to speed up somehow. So we decided to take the, the road uh, and walk from um, Lockstack Lodge round to um, uh, Reconic um, Hotel, as it was, uh, in sort of fairly miserable drizzle, but it was warm rain, so it wasn't too unpleasant. It was just a, a long slog on sore feet, really, after such a, such a tortuous day. But certainly both our legs had really taken a pound and we felt it by the time we got round to the hotel. Um, and I think it would be fair to say we were shattered, wouldn't we, Lee? Yeah, absolutely shattered. Um, I don't think we could have gone 
any further so you know to save our feet for the rest of the journey um we started decided to stay put you know, Bob. yeah it was a what was a nine and a half hour trip from start to finish to get there uh, and certainly staying put seemed to be the better option so um thankfully they had a, a room for the night so uh hope people forgive us our um our indiscretions of uh, not wild camping um, but certainly um, it was extremely rewarding and we're feeling very refreshed this morning as we uh, are heading down the road to Kinglock Burvey um, at the start of this glorious day. For future reference for those listening to this thinking about the wild camping and certainly camping in general on this route um, two things that really need to to be brought to the attention. Really, wild camping spots are very, very few and far between. Um, very rugged land, uh, great landscape, and if you were bivvying uh, and possibly using a tarp, you would have more success than with a tent. But we've really struggled, just generally in conversations, we go through the day trying to find a spot in the terrain that we're, we're passing through that would uh, make an ideal spot, and it's been, there haven't been that many. No, I've not hardly come across any really, haven't we? I think the ones where we have camped have... Um been about the only ones possible, haven't they? You know, we've never been sport for choice at all. No, it's been uh, uh, something to consider. And the other thing to consider would be um, uh, getting supplies. Uh, certainly, we haven't seen anywhere selling gaths and meth since Ullapool, which is a, a good mo- few miles ago. Um, none of the, well, I don't think we've actually seen any small shops, to be honest, just the occasional post no. office. Uh, there's been no supplies at all from that point of view. Of course there might be something at Kinloch Burvey. Um, I gather there's some campsites there so I'm guessing there, there may be some supplies but uh, something worth considering. Uh, so certainly balancing the weight of what you're carrying with what you need needs to be thought through and perhaps posting things ahead would be a, a wise choice. Uh, anyway, the shoes are holding together. I glued them last night with some uh, Thermarest glue. Um, they seem to uh, be sealed and the cut hasn't opened any further, so that's one worry over. Um, it's turned into a glorious day. The weather forecast is 16 degrees today. Uh, slight mist uh, and possibly a thunderstorms a bit later on. But uh, at the moment it's blue skies with a, a blue sky with a couple of fluffy clouds and that's it. Fantastic views. Um, I'm feeling pretty good. Yes, I'm here, yeah, and I think it's 16 degrees already, I think. Well, yeah, yeah. Again, we've dressed for <laughs> the challenge-type conditions early May, which can be uh, snow and frost right through to a bit of sunshine, but I think generally as the walk has gone, it's been quite a warm one. Yes, every night's been fairly mild, really. Not a, we've not had a frost. I've certainly not had to wear all my gear at night that I've brought, so, um, you know, probably when I'm on the challenge... It'll all come into use, I, I presume. Yeah, I think it's going to be a bit cooler in the in the central highlands. Um, there's been only one night that we've camped to the four or five nights, which has been a decent breeze. The rest of the nights have just been incredibly still. Possibly unusual, but um, it seems to to suit this part of the uh, part of the country, which obviously catches part of the Gulf Stream as well. And it would appear to be a few degrees warmer and certainly more pleasant up here than the rest of uh, mainland England. Anyway, I think I've uh, covered enough, enough at the moment. We've got four miles to go to Kinloch Burvey. Uh, we haven't got any choice but to go down the road. Um, again, time is against us in many respects. And also there aren't any uh, stalkers' paths or footpaths marked, which would uh, be easy going. So we've decided the, um, 
the urgency today is to uh, to get to Sandwood Bay, uh, as that really is our main goal. Uh, and then we're told that um, it's tough but fairly straightforward going to get up to Cape Wrath. So we'll add a bit more a bit later on. Our reference Cicerone guide for the trip north to the Cape by Dennis Brook and Phil Hinchcliffe states, when designing a trekking route, many alternatives present themselves and the factors in the selection include practicalities and personal preference. Mostly, there is little difficulty in choosing. However, in this case, we had a dilemma. Should we take the straightforward road, walk from Reconic through Kinloch Burvey to Blairmore, or pioneer a cross-country route from the A838 Durness Road to Sandwood Bay? We finally chose the former, because we felt the variety of scenery, the lockside walk, the communities, the facilities and the interest at the fishing village of Kinloch Burvey outweighed the disadvantage of the road walk. We judged the latter to be an unspectacular plod across difficult and probably wet country with no facilities. However, our choice does not have to be yours. If you abhor road walking, do find a cross-country route. The B801 there aren't many B roads in this part of Scotland, from Reconic to Kinloch Burvey, is newly widened and easy, albeit twisting. Presumably, this has been modernised to give good vehicle access to the fishing harbour from the modernised A838 and the A895. When we first visited the area in the 1960s, all the roads were single track with passing places, which made what is now a half hour journey twice as long. Being a short walk from Reconic to Kinloch Burvey, we do recommend one or two diversions to explore the small communities, in particular a browse around the harbour at Kinloch Burvey. You will find it a surprisingly busy place, as it is the most important fishing village in the North West Highlands. There is a shop named The London Stores on the B801, just before the village. It once claimed to be the furthest shop on the west coast of mainland Britain from the city which bears its name. However, there is another shop and a bakery on the new small industrial estate in Kinloch Burvey, which now lay claim to the distinction of being the last shops in the west. There are also two hotels in the village and one or two B&Bs off-route near Blairmore. The route from the car park at Blairmore to Sandwood Bay presents no real difficulty beyond a wet, boggy path in places. Scenery-wise, it is unremarkable, crossing featureless moorland for many a long mile. Just after leaving Blairmore, look backwards. The scenery is much more interesting. The ultimate reward for this trudge is the charm and isolation of Sandwood Bay. Were it not six kilometres from a motor road, it would be ideal for young families. When we were first at Blairmore, there was neither car park nor a gate, and it was possible to get a vehicle well down the track. From a walker's point of view, it is as well that there is now no vehicular access. You may find it strategically advantage to camp at the bay, perhaps at the northeast corner of Sandwood Lock, which is a fresh water lock. It is a popular place, so do remember to leave no trace. Once again, we've been very lucky um, in the uh, six or so days that we've been walking. been blessed by an absolutely glorious day, and uh, the locals here are all saying it's the best day of the year so far. 
Uh, we've made it down to along the road to King Lot Bovey and uh, thought we'd just double check the live firing uh, which is in the danger area that's between Deness and Cape Wrath and sadly um, it would appear that there is a live firing taking place tomorrow which is the, the day that we want to make our way from Sandwood Bay up to Cape Wrath and back. So after much deliberation of exactly where the live firing might be and how it affects uh, our proposed route, we feel that it's uh, some distance away anyway. Um, and we are outside the marked danger area on the map, uh, but we'll probably uh, play it cautious and wait till later on in the day when the firings should be coming to an end before we perhaps make a move or get up very, very early and um, do it the other way around. Walk up to Cape Wrath before the firing commences and come back when it's finished. Um, so, uh, be interesting to see what sort of recording we get tomorrow. Um, there's definitely a different accent to the people that uh, to li that live here, the locals. You can tell it's a, uh, a Scottish Highland accent mixed with a, a hint of Irish. It's very unique to, uh, to the local people. Uh, but they're equally charming and equally welcoming uh, and showing concern that, uh, that we're having a good time and also uh, that we don't get blown to bits in the, in the process. Yeah, that's right. I find very friendly, and as you just said, the accent it's very easy to understand, and um, they're exceptionally friendly. But um, one person, you know, person just said, you know, have a good day, and I hope you come back. <laughs> That'd be a result, wouldn't it? <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> so uh, where are we now? We, well, we've uh, come out of uh, Kinnock Burvey along the end of the the road, which has been a bit of a a boring long walk but a uh, very pleasant day so it hasn't been too bad and we're now taking the established path to Sandwood Bay um, look, very much looking forward to it um, apparently there's a, a beached killer whale on the bay which uh, will be interesting to see not necessarily pleasant but interesting um, and if uh, we do get to the Cape and back tomorrow uh, another uh, local has given us a, another route back from Sandwood Bay which we'll report on apparently which is a a charming route down the the valley of the the loch and the loch is a freshwater loch so um, apparently we'll be okay for for water so uh, that's about it really uh, been very very fortunate weather-wise keep our fingers crossed that uh, that the war doesn't come to us tomorrow and uh, we'll fill you in a bit later on when we've set up camp and hopefully hopefully watching the the sun go down in what we understand to be and we're expecting to be one of the most uh, pleasant beaches uh, ever to be found in the in the UK. Thanks for joining us on this part of the trip. Excerpts are read from the Cicerone Guide North to the Cape, which is available from cicerone.co.uk. Join us next time as we move closer to our goal, walking through some of the most spectacular and remote scenery in the UK on the Cape Wrath Trail. This independent programme has been brought to you by the Outdoor Station.co.uk.